All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of What's My Line. I'm your host, Chris Lemche, coming to you live, or really taped from the studios in North Hollywood, California. Today, I have a very special guest. She's been an internet sensation since she was three, and you might have seen her on your television screens in shows like Mac in the Middle, Lizzie McGuire, and actually I just recently found out the soap opera Passions. Today, my special guest is Amy Castle. Amy, how's it going? Hello, Chris. I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing pretty good. I've been kind of getting over a little cold here, which is the the first time I've been sick in like two years. So it's been kind of it's been kind of interesting. <laughs> you ran you ran your immunity for two years, and now it's caught up to you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It finally it finally caught. I, I let my guard down because of the move to California and everything. It finally was like, all right, we're we're gonna get Chris now. Boom. Oh, that's it. And blame it, it on blame it on L.A. Oh, I am blaming it on LA. I am blaming it on. I'm just blaming it on, blaming it on me not being prepared this year. Because usually every year I get so prepared. Okay, this is when I get sick. I'm going to take all these antibiotics. Mm-hmm. This year I was like, you know what? I'm I'm living in a new place. It's not going to happen. And lo and behold, it happened. And that's when that virus just sneaks in and says, "We can attack now." <laughs> um, luckily, it didn't. It didn't get me hard. I'm still. I'm still I'm feeling a lot better. I'm amped, ready to do this podcast with you. Awesome. So, Amy, so let's just let's just start right from the beginning. You were born in California, right? Born and raised. Born and raised. Born in Woodland Hills, and grew up in the Valley in Valley Village. Is your family originally from California too, or? Uh, my mom is. My mom is from Van Nuys, and then my dad is actually from Ohio, really close to Cleveland. Perfect. Have you ever been to Ohio? I have. I visited him when he was living there for, I've visited him twice in Ohio, and I much prefer our weather here. Not not a fan of the cold and the winter <laughs> quite as long as it was, so happy to visit. Definitely an L.A. girl through and through. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, like I said, we'll just start all the way from the beginning. I mentioned that you were an internet sensation at the age of three. You did a song called the Cuppy Cake Song. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? How did it, first of all, at the age of three, and that's like, what, 1995, so it was like the early stages of the internet, right? Oh, yeah, it was, so it was 94, and I was three, so I, because I hadn't had my fourth birthday yet, so, and it's funny, because anytime I see comments on the video online, I don't know why, I guess people are not good at math, because they think I'm, like, every other age other than three, like, they think that I would be, like, 15 now, or I don't know, but I get, like, all these other ages, so... Yes, I was three, and it was 1994, so you can do the math of how old I am now. Um, but, yeah, it was this yeah, that's, scary... that's, that's, that's her age. Oh, what'd you say? I said she's 15 now, so that's her yeah, age. Right? <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, it's it's the craziest, like, most unexpected thing that has happened in my life. I think with, like, any viral video, you don't know what is going to make it viral. And people nowadays definitely try to. They try to kind of have like a little bit of an edge up and say like, oh, we're going to make something that we think is going to go viral. But this was so far before any of that. So the story, the official story, I'll set it all straight, was my parents are both songwriters and my dad is a singer as well and producer. And my mom was writing all of these little bits of songs when she was pregnant with me. And then after she gave birth to me, she went to my dad and she said, hey, can we record this album of songs? And so it was going on for many years. I grew up with this recording studio in my living room. And my parents, along with our dear family friend, Dick Williams, who was uh, Andy Williams' brother, 
uh, were in our living room and they were writing these songs, 11 original songs. And my dad is the voice on the majority of the songs, the lead singer. And then I had little featured parts, um, you know, on a couple of songs here and there. And then they decided that they were going to have me sing the Cupcake song, which was originally written by my mom to me as a Valentine that year. So I was three and I grew up in the studio. So it was kind of just normal for me to be, you know, headphones put on me, hear Amy sing into this microphone. And I didn't, you know, think anything different of it. Um, and if, if anybody's actually seen the video online at the end, it's like, okay, now I'm done. Like, it was just, I was kind of calling the shots on that. And I was just, you know, it was like a little family thing. And my mom was recording it and had absolutely no clue that it was going to go viral as it did. Not a clue at all. That's crazy. You must've been like the, like the very, not like the first, but like one of the first viral videos. I would think so, because this is the other thing is w w the way it got online is my my dad uploaded that along this just the song was the first start of it. So it was pre the before the video. Um, so my dad uploaded all of the whole album to our website, cuppycake.com in 1995. And shortly thereafter, somebody found the audio and took it from our site. And there was this guy named Ozzy who put it on his website. And I remember in like 96, he had over a million plays of just the audio on his website. And from there, it just grew like wildfire. And we were getting all of these emails from people all over the world saying, oh, like I had that song in my music box growing up. Or, oh, that's Justin Timberlake singing when he was a kid. Like, it was crazy to me where everybody's imagination, they just would like come up with all those stories. But no, my mom wrote it and, uh, and people's imaginations ran wild. <laughs> What was the what was the first time you guys found out about it? Like how old were you and what year? Uh, I think I was probably six. I mean, it was like very shortly after. I might have been, either been five or six when we started getting all this traction on it and people were emailing us and you know, that guy had the plays and and then for a while we were off of our website, you could buy we would send like the VHS tape. You could buy it for I don't remember how much we had it for, but you could buy the VHS tape of the song with that video of us in our living room. And so then it wasn't until I think it was like 2009, six or nine, where I started already getting into YouTube. And then I did a search on YouTube of Cubby Cake. And I saw that there were like tens of thousands of people that were lip syncing the song because between the time we originally uploaded it to then it was everybody's ringtone. It like had for whatever reason gotten very popular in the Philippines and uh, all of like Asia. I don't know why, but it did. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and so I saw that everybody was doing their lip syncing version of it. And so I, at that point said to my parents, okay, I think we should upload the actual video. And so, but at that point I was still like kind of not fully embracing it because I was still a teenager and I was like oh this isn't I didn't think it was cool for whatever reason now I'm fine with it but so I didn't upload it to my YouTube channel we uploaded it to my dad's YouTube channel and then like a couple months later I remember logging on to YouTube this was back when they would feature videos on the front page for any of you Gen Xers that don't remember that time. <laughs> so I logged into YouTube and I thought that I was on our channel and it was the front page of YouTube when we were featured and so that oh, was wow. pretty crazy. Yeah, that sounds crazy. And you know, it's funny. It's funny. It's good. I mean, it's good that you're okay for now. But I can picture myself too. If, if, if I was in your position, 
like I was like if I was like 14, 15, or 16, like seeing it like this young video of me singing, I'd be like, yeah, I don't really want to put that out there. So I told I totally get that. Right. And so that's like was it's like time, looking yeah. at like your like child photos, like, hey, let's just like let's just keep this like buried somewhere. That's exactly how I will like you know present it to people if they've ever like oh how did you feel about it I say yeah remember that just like embarrassing baby photo of you that you had that your mom kept in that album someplace just imagine everybody seeing that the world all see. the time <laughs> like a concert reminder oh that's that's young me there, yes. there, there it is. yeah <laughs> so from so you started getting into acting how old were you when you started acting so uh, the first time I started acting professionally, I was eight, but I started, oh, long before that because I've always been a performer and I would be in my high chair watching I Love Lucy and Lamb Chops play along and I was just fascinated with the remote and I were best friends because I would just play something and then rewind it and play it and rewind it and I was, I just had that curiosity from day one if I wanted to mimic and I wanted to learn and I then of course I wanted to perform for my mom and get as much attention as I could true only child in that sense um and so I remember one day I I spent the day watching Vitamin to Benjamin and I was four and I went into the kitchen and I recited the whole thing to my mom and she said okay I think we probably should get in, into some classes so I started taking uh ballet jazz tap bunch of different dance singing and little basic acting classes at this performing arts school um and then I got my first agent when I was eight and then it was my first theatrical audition fifth audition total when I got the role of young Allie on Allie McBeal oh wow when you um I don't know if you can remember it really well but walk me through that audition process of getting like getting Allie McBeal oh I remember I remember it really well because up to that point my grandpa was actually the first person who said you look like you could play the younger version of this girl on this show on Fox Allie McBeal but it was a pretty raunchy show and I was eight so my mom wouldn't let me watch full episodes of it but she would let me see like selected approved scenes from the show and I would dress up in like a little lawyer outfit and recite these you know monologues that she would do and then when I got my first manager and then agent, they said in the meeting as well, they said, wow, you look like you could be a young Callista Flockhart. So shortly after I signed with them, we got the call one day from my manager that said, all right, they're looking to cast a young Allie McBeal, but the auditions closed and I had no credit. So they weren't going to just like see this random total newcomer. So my agent actually ended up faxing over my headshot and they said, you don't understand. She looks exactly like her. Once they got the fax, they said, okay, we'll see her. My dad says to me, don't come home without the part. My mom <laughs> drives me down to Manhattan beach. I remember I sat in the waiting room and I had homework and I was just like doing my homework. I just tried to be on my best behavior. And I remember walking into that room and it was pretty big. Like I think all the producers were there. Um, but I wasn't nervous. I just was like, okay, I'm here to do my job. Like I just had always been that way. And in the audition, they were asking me to pretend like I was seeing a unicorn because that was what the first episode was. She was flashing back to seeing a unicorn because it had that supernatural fantasy kind of aspect to the show. And I remember just doing what they told me to do. And afterwards I said, okay, great. Thanks so much. And then when my mom was driving me back home, I was in the back seat 
pretending to answer the phone and practicing what I would say if I got the call. Like I, that was just me playing pretend as a kid, but now as an adult, I look back on it. I'm like, Ooh, look at me. I was doing like law of attraction and manifestation from day one. (laughs) So I'm practicing answering the call. Anyway, my mom drives me home. I get upstairs. My dad has the camera rolling. So we actually have this tape and I have to find it somewhere because he says, Hey, so how did it go? And I said, Oh, it went really well. I think it was good. And he says, well, guess what? And I said, what? He says, your agent called, you got the part. And I just, flip out on tape I'm so excited and so the coolest part of that for me was he said don't come home without the part and then they called before I got home so it was a pretty cool experience yeah I'd say so yeah you should definitely if you find the tape definitely post that reaction oh yeah yeah. I have to it's on like one of those mini mini dv tapes that I have to find I still have the camera so I can transfer it in so you get so you get the part of uh, Young Alley. How many episodes is it for? I ended up doing eight episodes over the course of two years. Oh wow! Okay, good. So you got a good little steady uh, gig there. Yeah, it was cool. It was like back when I was a kid. I, I mean, there's so many. Like almost being a kid is better in almost every way. <laughs> but I remember just like that that naive, like knowing everything was going to work out. Because I remember. Like the year would start and I just knew that I would work every year as a kid. And every time up until until I was like 14, even if it was like halfway through the year, I knew in the fall I was going to book and I booked. Um, And a big part of that was that consistent work of Allie McBeal over two years. And the whole cast was just amazing. And it was uh, it was a pretty special first job. Like having David E. Kelly as your first boss is not something that every eight year old gets to experience. So i Feel to this day very grateful that that was my beginning yeah that's a good way to start out right oh yeah so then yeah uh, from Allie McBeal what's your next uh, gig after that I think the next one I did after that was I did this little oh it's funny I did this little episode on uh the Norm show with Norm McDonald and all these random cool people that I got to have this scene with it was the most just like random cast it was Lori Metcalf it was Faith Ford, Artie Lang, Norm MacDonald, and they were all, like, I got to, I remember they were all so cool. I got photos with all of them, and I was an orphan, and it was the scene where Norm was bringing all of these toys to the orphans, but they were these just, like, cheapo toys where they, she took, like, household items and tried to, like, make them cool and all the kids in the audience like in this little room we're all just like freaking out that like we want we we don't want to be there we don't like his toys and so it was a funny scene but that was the that was the second second gig i did nice. that's a good that's a good little transition from mally McBeal yeah. to with norm mcdonald when you so when you eventually go to lizzie mcguire was that um and that's that was through that's on disney channel i believe right yes so when you get the audition, is it through Disney or was it just a standard, hey, your agent found the part and just try out for it? So we got the call from my manager. And the thing that was cool is I'd actually been into casting the year before for a different role on the show. And Robin Lifting, Robin Lifting was the casting director. And I remember I went in and she told me in the room, she said, great read, but you're too young for this. We'll keep you in mind for something else. And I always liked that about her, like, and I've been into her from other things since then, but she was always very straightforward and like, she didn't beat around the bush. She told you what was going to happen like in the room. And obviously like not every casting director can do that, but 
I just thought it was really nice that she didn't like she didn't like say oh that was so great thank you and then not here like if if I wasn't gonna get it she told me and she told me why so anyway I went in the year before so I, I come back the next year I'm 11 and I do this read and I remember her telling me in the room she said okay so when you come back so I thought oh okay that means I'm coming back cool she said um dress more like her have you ever seen the show and I said uh no I never I never watched <laughs> Lizzie McGuire because I don't think I had Disney Channel at that point like I wasn't fancy enough to have Disney Channel so I was a Nick girl through and through until I got that show um so she said okay watch the show and come back and like dress more like her and then she was saying well I guess they could dye your hair because it was supposed to be a little Lizzie clone so I come back for the callback and I had on these khaki rose print colored capris (laughs) and like a black top with my hair up in a ponytail with chopsticks running through it. Classic Lizzie McGuire look. And uh, I go in for the audition and I remember I was there and Stan Rogo, producer of Lizzie McGuire, was in the room and he had two dogs. His two dogs were in the room and I remember doing the scenes and for whatever reason, the dogs right then and there decided this is the time that we're going to run all around the room. (laughs) And I remember just saying, "Don't, don't break character, just keep going. And they said at the end, they're like, wow, you like you were so focused. You didn't. And I don't know. I, I kind of think that may have had something to do with me getting it, that I just stayed focused and I didn't let anything distract me. Um, but that was by far like I look back on all the experiences that I've had. And there was something pretty magical about getting to do that show with Hillary and everybody, especially at that time in history, because we filmed September 10th through the 14th of 2001 so we did the table read and everything and it was our second day of filming that 9-11 happened and so I remember waking up and seeing what was going on in the news and we drove to set and Hillary was there and everybody of course were totally distraught and freaked out and uh, we took I think like an hour break on set I remember we had a moment of silence and then we took a break and we didn't really know what was going to happen and we ended up working that day we were I think the only one of two shows that stayed in production that day everybody else shut down Um, and as scary as it was I think there was something that was kind of comforting about being together on a set with a group of people and so during that difficult time we could find some sort of solace in being together yeah I bet I bet yeah working with like everybody kind of not necessarily take your mind off it but like yeah just kind of bring some kind of peace to you yeah exactly so whenever I think of that, like that, that memory and that time is always intertwined for me. So you, so you mentioned working with Hillary in the, in the show, you play like her doppelganger double or like the girl who's trying to imitate her. Yes. Her, what was her character's name? Uh, I played Andy Robinson. It's funny. I don't think they ever said my last name, but I did have a last name and it was Robinson. You know, it's speaking a little sidetrack. It's full, it's always so funny, like when you like audition, you, you see like the full character's name, and then say you get the part, and then you play the character, and you realize, oh, they never actually said my full name on the entire show. Yes. <laughs> I would, I would just think it's so weird. I was like, oh, somebody put like time and effort it to give this person a name, it's and we so don't even true. get to say the full thing. That's like, oh, it's weird. I feel bad for the person who just had to come up with the name. Like they're sitting there watching. It's like, okay, say the name I created. 
<laughs> oh, they're doing the same name. I spent like five hours on that name. Right? Come on. You don't, and especially you don't want to just the writer because usually it's like the writer put that in there for a reason, but it's so funny. Yeah. So they gave me a full name. They never used my full name, but it was there. My last name still exists. <laughs> hey, maybe when they do, when they do the reboot, you'll, they'll use your last name finally. Hey, you know what? That wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> wouldn't yeah. mind that at all. And actually, you know, it's, I would say, I'm going to put this out in the universe here, maybe, you know, it should happen because it'd be such like a weird, not weird, but like a cool little callback to like say, because I know they're doing the reboot on Disney Plus and yeah. it's going to be like set in present day or her as an adult, like say she just happens to run into your character and just let's, you can do like an inverse, like she's actually trying to imitate you this time around. <laughs> hey, I like it. We need to get what we need to do is we need to get you on as a writer on the show, and then you can make that happen, Chris. Right, exactly. And then <laughs> if I put names on there, I expect names. To <laughs> if I had to spend like twenty hours thinking of a name for a character, I expect that character to be said like three you times. You better believe that character is going to have a first, a middle, and a last name. Two last names. There you go. Two it's just, hyphenated. It's, you know, is it going to be hyphenated? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A very modern, yeah, very modern name. So after um, so after Lizzie McGuire, you kind of move on to your next project. Do you, do you still keep in touch with most of the cast, or, or do you just kind of like uh, go your separate? We haven't seen each other in a really long time. I, I know I, I'd see them here here and there over the years. Um, I'm Lelaine and I are following each other on Instagram. Um, a few other people, but it's been years since I've seen Hillary, but like I've kept up to date with what she's done on social media and it's just so cool to get to see you know her journey as now she's a mom of two kids and like younger is great so it's it's always been really cool to like follow her career and see how she's done over the years but it's been a it's been a forever since we've all been together like i said when the reboot happens and you guys have your own little reunion (laughs) so after uh after lizzie mcguire you do a couple other projects the one I like, I was so fascinated when I was, I was looking this up because I was such a big Passions fan. Wait, I'm, were you I, really? Yeah, I, I really was. Like uh, back in 2002, uh, I started watching this show because I was, um, I was homesick for a while and then, you know, daytime TV. And I said, okay, oh, Days of Our Lives. I know Days of Our Lives from Friends because Joey was on Days of Our Lives. So I, yes. I watched Days of Our Lives and then right after that was Passions. And I was like, you know what? I'm kind of I'm kind of good. Let's let's keep watching. And I <laughs> became a big fan of Passions. Like the Timmy character was still on the show when I started. Oh and, yes. Yeah, and it was. Um, and I yeah, I just followed that show from there on out. Like people always talk about like Justin Hartley right now, and he was Fox on that show too. So anytime That's I right. see, and my <laughs> character killed. It. He was he was not Justin Hartley wasn't on the show when I got on, but my character of Vicky ended up killing Fox in the show. Oh, really? oh, that's crazy. Yes. Like afterwards, when I had to go back to school, I'd always like would miss it. But any day, any time, ever like miss school, like, all right, let's let's get in, let's watch some passions. Oh, and yeah, oh I was just watching the show through and through. So I had no idea that you were on the show, and I and I do remember <laughs> the character. But it's like, oh, that was you. That's that's insane. That first of all, that's hilarious, and I don't really meet that many people like now a day as you know present day as an adult that or into it but the funny thing is that I was a huge fan of it for two years before I ever was on the show so I started out and I had a very similar kind of thing to you but I was homeschooled and so 
I would be home during the day if I didn't have an audition. And so I remember at one point I was home and it was two o'clock and I said, all right, what's on TV? And I stumbled upon passions and I was just totally struck with the paranormal supernatural aspect of it. Cause I was yeah, that, always fascinated with that as a kid. Yeah. That's what got me into the show. Like seeing like Tabitha, all this yeah. stuff, charity and the guts. Yeah. You, you're going to get me going on this show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I loved it. And like, I also, what I loved about Passions, not as a cast member, but as a fan, because again, I was a fan before it started. I loved the fact that they went there. Like they, they, they recognized how over the top and insane that show was in the storylines and they didn't shy away from it. They, they absolutely like leaned into it more. And I didn't, and I then just came to realize that more as I became a cast member as I got on later on, but it was so much fun. So much fun to do that show. Yeah, I, oh God, I bet. Like, I'd, like I said, after hearing this, man, I really wish I would have known that before. I would have <laughs> asked questions. Like, well, well, I think like, the reason why you may have not, so it, they brought, what they did is they brought me on as a character to, like, entice people over to DirecTV because what went down was they decided to add, like, a fifth, a fifth hour of the Today Show on NBC. So it bumped their schedule and Passions got the short end of that deal. So what happened was DirecTV had a new channel called the 101 and they ended up, I don't know if it was buying or just transitioning Passions to DirecTV. So they brought me on as a new character and I was on the last five episodes of Passions on NBC and then the rest of them were all on DirecTV on the 101. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I remember the, because I never saw it after the DirecTV move. Yeah, uh, I and the stuff I would see would be like later on, like oh, passions continued on after in NBC. All right, yeah, let me see, you know, see what's going on here. But <laughs> so, so they brought you on just as a way to entice new viewers. And how long were you on the show for? I was almost a year. I did, I think it was like forty-one episodes that I did total, um, and it was like act like soap opera boot camp because I'd never done a soap before and there's kind of a funny story to that whole experience too I was 17 and we got the audition for it my mom and I got the audition and but they said on the breakdown that they wanted over 18 to play 15 because um, they didn't want to have to deal with set tutors and they could then work me as an adult and I could have adult hours because if you're a minor and you're underage you can't work as long so it's just better for the production to be able to work you as an adult so I get the breakdown and my mom and I say okay well they want over 18 so the chance of you booking this is probably not super high so I didn't go to a coach to work with my acting coach to you know work on the part so my mom and I just worked on it together but the funny thing was when they faxed me over the scene that I was going to be doing, since I'd been watching the show for two years, I knew exactly what was going on. This something in the scene was about uh, Sheridan and Louise and this whole deal. Uh-huh. And, and so I think, I think part of what helped was just not, it's not that I didn't take it seriously, but the pressure was kind of off because I didn't think that I was going to get it so I think I just wasn't as nervous as I may have been or I maybe I was a little bit more free in my performance but um, I got the call back and then I was the only one under 18 on the call back and so I went in and I did that and then about an hour later we got a call from my manager and they said okay she booked the part but she has to get her high school diploma today oh. <laughs> and my mom and I looked at each other like I'm sorry wh- what was that 
because they had to, I had to basically test out of high school and have a diploma so that they legally did not have to um, have a set teacher for me because they wanted to work me as an adult. So I ended up getting what they needed me to get. But then later on down the road, I ended up actually testing out and I got the chess fee. So I got an official, you know, like test out of a degree. So, um, but for that day, yeah, the, the movie industry is a crazy one guys, because I did have to procure a high school diploma in one day. And I, we did that. <laughs> well, there you go. They're like, all right, you get the part. All right. Now it's time for you to graduate. Here we go. Yeah. It's like, what? I did First of all, I didn't even know that was a thing up until that point. I didn't know that you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me neither. No, that's, that's. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> fun, fun little factoid for you there. All right, so you you graduate, you graduate high school, and you go <laughs> right into you. <laughs> you go right into your job and passion. What is what are those hours like? Because like, if I don't know people who don't know about what a soap opera is, it's every single day is a new episode. How, yeah, what's that? What's it like? That what's the schedule like? Yes, so that is the crazy thing, and and I I can only speak to our setup because I'm not sure what it's like on the other soaps that are still around today. But what we were doing is not only were we doing like our traditional soap schedule, but we were experiencing um, a cutback because they downsized when they switched us over to direct TV. So we used to be on two sound stages and we, we just condensed to one. So they actually like they had some layoffs with the crew, but we would film at least one episode and sometimes parts of a second and or third so we were really going fast with it but the traditional thing was we would start around like seven or eight I'd get there at five or six some days and it would run um, very much like theater where we did everything pretty much in order unless there was some big scene that would have been easier to film in the beginning of the day but what we would do is we'd get there and then we would usually do our dry blocking at the beginning, which is our rehearsal. So we would go to set. There wouldn't be any of the camera or lights or anything. And we would meet with the director for that episode. We would have different directors kind of rotation. So we'd meet with the director. We'd go over where the movement was going to be for the scene. And then we typically had three cameras. So I, that was a whole new process for me to learn of it. And I, I'd done a little bit of theater growing up, but um, more of like scene study and camera work. So it was a really cool experience for me to be thrust into this world of soap opera and actually learn that it's quite similar to theater. Um, but then in addition to the dry blocking of where you're going to move, you have to know like which camera is going to be on you when. And that definitely can affect your performance because you want to make sure you're getting the best coverage and what angle. So it's like a whole art form for soaps. Gotcha. So you do you do passions for a year. Are you there for the final episode? I I don't think I was in the final episode. Oh, because this spoiler alert for anybody that's not caught up on passions, you might want to stop this playlist right now. But if you're good to go, so what happened was I teamed up with the serial killer rapist that was in the town of Harmony named Vincent. He was also a hermaphrodite, so we had some very juicy storylines. So we teamed up together to poison the entire town of Harmony with this poison mushroom sauce that we put on the stakes at somebody's wedding. I don't remember who it was. 
And we were successful in killing everybody. And then Tabitha escaped from wherever she was. She came back. She brought everybody back to life. I think there was something to do with, like, Timmy from, like, the afterlife coming. Like, his energy was there to, like, make it happen, of course. And then uh, we were arrested and we were taken away by Sam, the uh, the town sheriff. So we were not there for the final episode, but we our storyline did end with us being trotted off to jail. Well, I mean, you did try to poison the entire town, so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess you could say we had it coming. Yeah, I, I would I would say so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after you get trotted off to jail, what's your next project after Passion? Is that when you start your YouTube channel? or? So, yeah, your- so that was really when I started focusing on YouTube, because I actually started doing YouTube in 2005. Um, I started when I was 15 because from 14 to 17, I was not booking. I was still going out on auditions, but I looked older. I didn't really look my age. And as a result, they wanted older. They wouldn't cast me as older because I was underage. And that whole thing with passions was they want older to play younger. So during that time, I was auditioning, but I wasn't booking. And fortunately, that was when YouTube decided to come into existence because I cannot stress this enough how it was just, it was the perfect time to be growing up and it was the perfect time to be 15 and be an actor and creative and have an interest in technology and the camera because I would be at home. I would be either working on a script for an audition or, you know, not going out to parties because my mom was very overprotective and I wasn't, that just wasn't my life. So I had a lot of free time at home when I wasn't doing my school and I discovered YouTube. And so it was the perfect place for me to come up with these little sketches and, and shoot stuff and, and edit. And like, it just got me being creative and, and also proactive in being creative because I would be in my room by myself. And I said one day, Oh, I want to do a stop motion animation. I'd never done that before, but I just have always been that person that wants to figure it out. So I did like a 34 second stop motion animation where I made a heart on my bedroom wall. And I remember it took me like five hours and I just was so immersed in it. Um, so yeah, YouTube started and I started doing passions. And then after passions, uh, I started going back into YouTube and that was when I started uh, doing my what's Amy eating videos. Uh, before we get into what's Amy eating, um, do you remember your first couple of sketches? What were they about? I do. So the first YouTube video, I think the first one I ever did at the time, um, my childhood best friend, Aaron Sanders and I, we were doing these little sketches because we were very influenced by the Amanda show and all that. And she grew up doing Nickelodeon and I did Disney. So we came together and we did a sketch called Turn to Tofu, which is still on YouTube. You can search it and watch it. I remember it was during one of our sleepovers and we wrote this sketch out in like probably 30 minutes and it was very much in the vein of the Amanda show. And it was basically our, um, our over the top commercial to try tofu. That's what I'll say about that. (laughs) In a way, it's in a way that's your first, what's Amy eating? You know what? I never thought about that, but you are so right. That's funny. Yeah, see, like, you, you, you shot, so you shot the pot for what's Amy eating. That's funny. That's so shot, true. Eventually, years later, then you actually, okay, like, okay, pilot gets picked up by YouTube, and then you start your YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's funny. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. 
So, um, so you start with Amy eating. Is it like where you just decide, okay, I'm a, I'm a foodie. I want to kind of share my recipes around, or is it something you just wanted to do for fun? Well, it's so funny because I don't know if anybody was even using the terminology of foodie back then. I really wonder, I should look it up and see when the first person or when it was like first publicly acknowledged that that was a thing. But um, yeah, so it would be, I was doing little sketches. And and the other thing was uh, Aaron and I were doing a series of videos at that time called the Amy and Aaron show. Um, And if you ever wondered why my YouTube channel is called Sandcastle Inc., it's because the channel was originally... uh, launched as a collaboration between Amy Castle and Aaron Sanders. So we blended our names together. That was how that came about. Um, But her schedule did not permit for her to be really invested in it as a long-term thing. So we parted ways with that. And then I just started doing my own videos. Um, And after a little while of that, I said, I want to do some sort, I want some sort of a theme that just like binds these all through because um, I don't know. I, I guess because I come from the traditional world of acting and I'm all, you know, I've always been an actor first and then YouTube was the secondary thing that happened. I wanted there to be some sort of a way where it could be a show and have some sort of a theme of consistency running through it. So I thought about what was topics that were interesting to me. And when I started thinking about food, it was actually my my then boyfriend that said, you know, you know a lot about food. You're you you know, your mom's a personal trainer and you were raised all healthy. And I when I turned 18, I, you know, had some money from my Coogan account that you save when you're acting as a kid. And I started going out to different restaurants and trying different foods. And in a way, I think part of the, because I was raised with my mom being so overprotective and caring so much about me the way I rebelled was was with food because I was like oh I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna try all these restaurants and it was I was going out with my my first boyfriend and we were going to sushi and sitting at the bar and I remember he said to me life's too short to eat shitty food and it stuck with me to this day I was like you know what you're right and so I was exposed to all of these restaurants whereas I grew up with my mom just making me all these healthy meals at home So it was this blending of being raised in a healthy household and knowing a lot about what food I'm putting into my body matched with now there's this whole unknown world of restaurants and ingredients you've never heard of before. And so it was that all of that paired with the curiosity of being an actor that just sent me on this self-exploration journey of like after that relationship ended, I would just go out to restaurants by myself and have the menu and I would just sit there eating whatever I was eating and reading the menu very much like reading a novel and I just absorbed everything I could and my way of teaching myself about a certain ingredient was I would order the dish and say okay I want to know what this ingredient is and I would just isolate the taste and say okay so that's what that tastes like or ask questions to the server or have the chef come out and so I just wanted to learn as much as I could about it and then take what I learned and share it with YouTube. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's a, it was actually what's Amy eating is when I first like discovered a YouTube channel. I was like, oh, because I'm, I'm a foodie as well, too, and I'm always like looking for new recipes or new foods. Yeah. To try. Yeah. Wait, so, I have a question well, for you. Do you remember okay. what the first video you found was? Because I've, I've never oh. asked you that. I was always curious how people find my stuff. It was some... 
want to say it was like a hummus thing you made. Yes, I made a hummus. Yeah. It was a hummus video. Was that it? I think so, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I remember wanting to like try out hummus, and I, I you know, I, I saw your video. I was like, okay, let's give this a shot. And I, you know, I liked it. And then yeah, I started watching your show and started like, okay, looking at new recipes and stuff. Oh, like watching your videos, like, oh, that looks good. I want, I want to have that. So yeah. <laughs> Which I can't, I can't remember what year that was, but yeah, I wondered. Maybe, I wondered how long ago it was. Maybe like, let's say, two or three years ago. Okay, yeah. Which then, because then it gets crazy with like how, oh, this is the girl who was on Lizzie McGuire, and then now, now recently, the girl who was on Passion. So <laughs> <laughs> she's been all over my screens this whole time. So it's funny. So funny. Oh, the one, the one that we didn't touch on, and I'm only going to say it because I'm such a huge Breaking Bad fan and Brian Cranston fan now. I am very proud of the fact that I got to do a Dance Dance Revolution contest with Brian Cranston on Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, did you win? Did you did your uh, character win on that? No, they won. They won. Of course, uh, they had to win. He's you know, it's it's Hal. He's got to win. No, I mean, I would figure Hal would have to lose because I always liked in Malcolm Middle Hal's breakdowns. <laughs> well, I think he, I think he lost at first, but or you know what it might have been? It might have been that he lost, but then there's some epic scene afterwards where he and this little boy like start dancing together and then they're like celebrating at the end. He like has his big like finale. Gotcha. And you're the person he he triumphantly beat. Yeah, it was me and this um actually this girl Ayla Kell who has gone on to do a bunch of shows. Um we were cast as these two characters, Haley and Kylie. We're just like annoying teenage girls and we were uh competing against Hal and his friend. Um and so we were like thinking we were hot stuff and we went up to them afterwards and we we're kind of teasing them and I took a photo of uh the two of them on the floor stretching looking really silly and then I say, You guys are totally gonna be my new save screen. And that was like my line in the show. <laughs> also, whoever called it a save screen, it's a screensaver. Right, yeah, that's such a weird. I knew it was like some writer that didn't know anything about technology and just said, (laughs) "Oh, sure, it's a save screen. That's what we'll go with." Yeah, or you know, maybe in a couple years, people are going to start saying "save screen." You're just ahead of the time. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, um, so you do you do what's what's Amy eating, and you get this YouTube following. Does do you with with the show? Did it lead you like to travel to more places, or did you just stay in California filming it? It did lead me to traveling to new places. Um, it has been, what's he eating in a way? It just kind of feels like my online food journal, kind of. It's 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 taken on so many different uh, forms. It started out with restaurant reviews. And my idea at the beginning was I wanted it to be like video Yelp because you could look online and you could see photos and, and uh, read about a restaurant, but you're not really going to fully experience that restaurant until you're in that restaurant. So I wanted to make an experience that was the closest for the viewer to feel like they've actually visited that restaurant. And from day one, I wanted it to be like, you're coming along with your best friend and you're just having a meal together. So that was the approach I took from it early on. And I wanted it to, everything to have a little bit of a healthy twist since that was my foundation and my roots growing up. And then as I started doing those, um, I realized that not everybody that watched my videos was only going to really super appeal to a small demographic that could actually go to those restaurants. So I wanted to do videos that could reach more people and more people could feel like they were um, a part of it because I wanted it to be interactive. 
So then I started doing these product reviews where I would go to Whole Foods and go to Trader Joe's. And this is just who I am when I go into a grocery store. I turn into Sherlock Holmes and I want to read every label and just learn as much as I can because I see the grocery store as a huge educational opportunity where you go in and you learn about different things that you've never heard of before and you can try something new and just have all these different experiences. And I think a lot of people will just see it as, oh, we're just going to rush in and out and you have a list and you stick to the list because not everybody has the time to do that. But being a uh, sometimes out of work actor, it was just the perfect marriage of time and opportunity. Well, let me ask you a question here. Trader Joe's or Whole Foods? Ooh, uh, I'm going to say neither. Air one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there was one grocery, I will just be honest, if there was one grocery store that I could just only shop at and like have unlimited, like I can have anything I want from the store, it's Air One. Have you ever been? No, I haven't been. Oh, it's that. First of all, everything's too gosh darn expensive, but like their deli case, it's insane. Like their deli case is like the best restaurant ever. You could just eat from their deli case forever. Like some markets you go and you're like, okay, I guess I'll get some of this tuna salad or chicken salad. They have pesto, mung bean, casserole, whatever, with just ugh, everything there is. It's so good. They have a bunch of different ethnic foods. They have um, these amazing, like, brown rice, like, crispy balls that have this really good sauce in it. That's a terrible description, but I promise you they're delicious. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Uh, <laughs> I'll, search, I'll search for it, and I'll, I'll let you know what I think. Yes. So since you since you like traveling, what's the best um, what's the best place you travel to? Oh, I would say that my favorite experience travel wise has got to be when I went to Japan last year. Ooh, Japan. Okay. How was um? What made you go? What made you go to Japan? Uh, what made me go to Japan was I had an experience where uh, a couple of friends were already over there, and I was talking to one person in particular and. They said, um, I said, you should just, you should come. Like some, you just think like sometimes people invite you and they just like offhandedly, like somebody says, oh yeah, you should do that. And you'll say like, okay, yeah, I guess I should. But for whatever reason at that time in my life, when this person said you should come to Japan, I thought about it. I said, what if I actually went to Japan? Like, what if I really did that? And it happened at a point where I had just made um, a pretty large investment in this laser, which is the newest thing I'm working on, but I, I bought this laser machine to engrave things. And long story short, I had a lot of points accumulated on my credit card. So I thought, well, wait a minute, I could technically get to Japan for free, right? So I checked and I looked and I could, like I had enough points to cover my flight. And it was just this leap of faith, but also I wanted to go to film my show because I had just come off of an experience where, and I haven't spoken about this publicly, but I got very close to having um, my own food show aside from what's Amy eating. There were actual, you know, producers and people involved. Um, and it was, it was going through multiple rounds and it did not end up coming to fruition. And I, well, I do believe that everything happens for a reason. It was a bit of a letdown. And so I took some time and wasn't really sure what the next direction was going to be. And when this opportunity presented itself, this inkling of an idea to go to Japan, 
I said, well, maybe this would be the perfect opportunity for me to take my equipment and just kind of go fully eat, pray, love on myself and just fly to a different place. And maybe I could film a bunch of footage in Japan and like, what would what's a meeting look like on an international level? So that's what I did. And I went and I booked my flight, I think like five days before I left, fully scared my mother. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. My parents yeah. would be scared too. It's like, yeah, I'm flying to Japan in five days. What? <laughs> I must say, it's the most spontaneous I've ever been in my life. But uh, I don't regret a single second of it. And it was, I, I still, I still have not edited all the footage that I got from that trip. But um, what I do have is, if anybody listening wants to see what happened in Japan, parts of it, I have, and I don't think most people realize, uh, on highlights on Instagram, because while I was there, not only was I filming with my Canon, my, my 6D, I was Instagram storying the entire time that I was there. So what I love about the highlights feature on Instagram is you don't have to do any editing. You can just select all the pieces you want and boom, put it on your highlights. So I think I have two highlight stories up there that are pretty long like I think at least 10 minutes each of some of the best things that happened in Japan so that already finished but I still have all this other footage of uh, food I tried I, I actually ended up filming a lot in the hotel room because I could control the lighting and the audio so I went and I would order room service from all these different hotels and I would do my reviews of the food in the hotel rooms while I was in Japan how long were you there for I was there for eight days days oh wow Eight so, days, and I stayed in three mom, different your mom hotels. freaking out that eight days. Dang. Oh, she was. Oh, and get this: not only eight days, not only five days notice, not only driving your daughter to the airport and thinking like she's completely lost her mind. Oh, but no, no, I decided to go during typhoon season. And so I was there during Typhoon Cimarron, and please, anybody listening, go to my Instagram and watch. I don't remember if it's Japan 1 or Japan 2, but it's all documented. I, I was trying to be conservative on how much I was freaking out, but I've never been in, like, I'm from L.A. I haven't been in serious weather. The worst we have here are earthquakes. I was, like, secretly freaking out that I thought the typhoon was going to come and I wasn't going to be able to come back home. I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is it. What have I done? Um <laughs> And it was, it was definitely, I went through so many emotions on that trip. Jeez, yeah, I, I can't imagine ever be, being in a typhoon. I'd be freaking out as well. <laughs> but it, I think it wasn't quite, like, it was still fully terrifying. But the fact that I was Instagramming the whole story, that was my comfort. So, like, Instagram was my travel companion on that trip. And I remember... Um, like during the the worst of it, I was in the last hotel that I was at and there was this huge thunderstorm and there was lightning and thunder and everything. And it was pretty crazy. And I was really scared. And I turned on Instagram, and I think at one point, just to kind of calm me down, I started singing. And I have to look back because I think it's on Facebook. But I just remember being in my hotel room in Tokyo and hearing all this loud thunder and just singing to try to calm myself. And there were people watching from all over the world. And there was something very comforting about it. And also such a testament to Instagram and technology and the fact that you can be anywhere and you can press a button and people can watch you from anywhere else in the world that just like that never ceases to blow my mind. 
No, yeah, me too. It's crazy how, yeah, like you said, you're in LA, but you can be reaching out to so many people, like in the Philippines or in Japan, yeah, or like somewhere in China, yeah, or like somewhere in Texas, like some guy named yeah. Chris. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. <laughs> like thanks, Instagram, Instagram, making making friendships since whatever year it became a thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So after Japan, you said you mentioned you bought this laser. And you started this. You started this engraving business. What's it called? Yes. So that is called Created by Castle. That is my newest endeavor. And uh, last year, I just again, yeah, last year was the year of taking chances and investing in myself. Um, I had been seeing videos of this laser uh, called Glowforge, which is what I purchased. And for the longest time, it was just kind of this like pie in the sky, like, oh man, that would be so cool if I actually had one of those, but I never really gave it much more thought than that. And then it came at a time where I was definitely at a bit of a crossroads last year with a lot of things in my life. And, you know, to be expected, I'm in my twenties and still figure all figuring this stuff out, but I just wanted some way of being creative that wouldn't depend anything on how I look anywhere, because I'll always be an actor, and as crazy as this business is, I love it, but there are some times where I would like to be able to share my art, but it doesn't have anything to do with my appearance, Um, and so I just had been doing Photoshop and um, graphic design. I taught myself that many years ago, and as I started learning more about this laser, I thought, oh, this could be, if I really commit to this as a business, this could be a really great side income and who knows you know what it will grow into so I ended up purchasing this machine it was not cheap and uh I I think I kind of leapt into it before I had answered all the questions that I probably should have asked myself before so I let I just kind of took the nod of like from a Jason Mraz lyric leap and the net will appear um so I left and the net has been appearing for the last year but I I taught myself this software and uh, I had never done any sort of engraving before in my life um so I entered into this whole new business um not knowing anything about it other than I wanted to learn everything I could and I wanted to be able to create personalized gifts and um, just be creative and, and make a living from that, which I think any artist can attest to. That's the dream is like be able to be creative with your art and then be able to support yourself. Like sign us up for that. That's what we want. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How, um, what's the best design or in your opinion, the best design that you've, uh, you've done? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, hmm. Well, I will say, so it's like two parts. One part of it is I'm amazed at just what the machine can do because it can, um, the precision is with, is the width of a human hair and then the detail of it. So I've actually been doing a lot of photos. I've been engraving a lot of photos, um, and movie posters. I, I did when, um, once upon a time in Hollywood came out. I saw that poster and I thought, oh man, this poster is going to look so cool engraved. Like that's the, that's the thought I have now. Anytime I look at anything anywhere in life, there is this filter that my is processing in my brain that's saying, ooh, how would that look engraved? Like I can't turn it off now. Anytime I go anywhere, that's what's happening. I'm like, how will this look engraved? And so I took that um, and I, but there is, the, I guess the artistic part of it, even if I didn't design what I'm going to be printing is I go in Photoshop and I have to optimize the image for 
engraving. Um, so sometimes that's turning up the contrast. You've got the like really nerdy part of me coming out now, by the way. That's good. <laughs> because, no. I'm about it's to not, start talking not about nerdy where you're, you're speaking your passion. Yeah. <laughs> no. Keep, um, keep nerdy talking because, yeah, it's something you love doing. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So I, I have to optimize the image uh, to be printed the best. So that's adjusting the contrast, the brightness. Um, doing some shadows and highlights, so any photo, a lot of Photoshop stuff, um, and then printing it. Um, so I love that part of it. But I guess my favorite projects that I've done, I love. So I've been doing this one thing for people. Um, I've been doing coaster cards. So I've been making coasters. I've been really focusing on that because it's a fun little souvenir. And like I like collecting different things. Like I remember I used to collect shot glasses. So anywhere I went, I wanted something that was small enough that I could take as a souvenir from a place. Um, and so I had a really big shot glass collection. And then uh, I kind of stopped, I didn't stop drinking, but I didn't want to drink as much. And I decided that I didn't necessarily want to just keep collecting um, shot glasses. So I stopped that, but coasters have kind of become my thing now. And I like to, uh, to make them and, and just see like how I can personalize them. So what I do is for friends for their birthdays, I will scour my friend's Instagram, like thoroughly in, on, online stalk them, grab a photo that I think is going to be the most meaningful for them. And then I will write their birthday card on the back of the coaster. And so I've done this for a handful of friends and I never get tired of seeing their face when they open their gift and they're completely surprised. Like, oh my gosh, how'd you get that photo? And then I say, turn it over and they read whatever message that I wrote for them. It has been so much fun to be able to give a gift that's personalized that much to friends. So anytime I get to do anything like that, it's definitely my favorite thing. You know, uh, this is like one little funny story about me here and i guess a little little personal thing about you hearing yourself you're you're a spin, you're a spin instructor yes took two of your spin classes and well I'll say which completely wiped my ass completely. <laughs> i was wondering <laughs> oh yeah the very like next couple of days i was like oh my god i can't move <laughs> <laughs> oh my legs hate me so much yeah oh my gosh Hey, but to be fair, you kept up. Like, you were not going easy on yourself. You were out of the saddle when we were out of the saddle, and you, like, you committed to it. So, bravo. Yeah, I go 150%, no matter what I do. <laughs> Sometimes to my detriment, but, you know, you just got to do what you got to do. Yes. What, um, what got you into spinning? Uh, I guess it would probably be my mom. Well, my mom got me into fitness. So I would go to the gym, um, the same gym that she worked at. And I think it was probably when I was about 19 or so, I started taking this one spin class at my gym. This woman, Carolyn, um, who I just loved her class. I loved her energy, her music. Um, music has always been really important to me in fitness classes because I'm a dancer and like, I can't, like my biggest pet peeve is being in a workout class and we're not exercising to the music. It drives me crazy. So, uh, if you've got rhythm and a good playlist, you've, you've hooked me. So she had both of those and I started going to her class and I think the first time I took it, it actually may have not been hers because I took a class and I got injured in my first spin class. I, there were these old bikes that we had, and I'll never forget, I was pedaling, and my left foot 
was um was slid into the little saddle for your shoe but it snapped off and my foot went down and the pedal came around and whacked me in the back of the calf and that's how I learned that bruises heal from the inside out and it was very painful and I remember tweeting uh, a tweet and saying like dear spinning it's not me it's you sincerely Amy and I was like over it and then for whatever reason like three months later I decided to take another class and it was Carolyn's class this time and I think that's what it was I realized whoa she's got great music she's got a fun personality I'm you know this is difficult but it's it's such a feeling of accomplishment when you do it so after that I became obsessed with spinning and as anybody that is really into it can attest there is something that just kind of clicks in your brain where you either hate it or you love it and you can't get enough of it and the latter was what would happen for me and then it uh, becoming a teacher all stemmed out of she came up to me one time after class she says can you get certified so you can sub my classes <laughs> because she could see that I was going for it and I, I worked hard and I, I got strong at it and then I think it was in, uh, I think I was 22 when I got certified. So it was, yeah, like 2012. Um, and then I got certified and I started teaching, started teaching my classes. And it's been off and on since, uh, wow, yeah, off and on since 2012. I will, I will say about your class, what I really liked was uh, like how you incorporated the music into the spin. And that's what like, yeah, you mentioned me going like really hard because it's like, oh, I can feel it feel it with the the rhythm of the music okay this is where i like really speed up when the chorus hits or like yeah oh, it's gonna, music about to like go down this is like my come down period yeah so i really like the way that was integrated and i keep i always keep saying you know i'm gonna go back and do our classes again but it's like i uh, on sunday or early sunday morning i come off work and it's like you know i'll, I'll go to her class and then i like get into like my room it's like okay i just want to like lay down <laughs> oh yeah and you got to listen to your body too. Like it's the hard, the hardest thing for me is working out when I'm already tired. Yeah. Um, especially cause if you, if you're doing that when you're already tired, your body is getting fatigued and then, and then you may get sick and that has happened to me and then it takes longer to recover. So I try to, I try to rest when I need it so that when I'm fully healthy, I can go as hard as I can. Yeah, that's true. Well, so we're almost coming up on our, on time here. So I want to ask you like one more thing. Okay, sure. You, if you could go back, get like a DeLorean, go back and tell young Amy right before she's about to film the Cupcake song, <laughs> what is the three things you would tell her? Ooh, the three things. Okay, I'm going to take a moment and think about this because I want them to be good. This is like our inside the actor studio moment where John yeah. Lipton, James Lipton asks the question. Um... The three things. The first thing I would say is you're going to really want to care what people are going to think of you, but don't care what people are going to think of you. You're going to have a lot more happiness in the long run if you just keep doing for you what makes you happy. That's number one. Number two would have been specifically about the song would be embrace it because for as many people out there that will make fun of you or say oh that silly little song there are more and more people in spades that that song has touched and um, affected their lives in a positive way so the good has definitely outweighed any of the awkwardness that came along from it for me so to fully embrace it and realize that it's 
a pretty cool thing to say that that many people have heard your voice. And uh, number three would be that no matter how difficult it gets at times, never give up on what you ultimately want to do because you will not be happy doing anything other than what you love to do. I have tried different careers. I've tried at you know one point to do something that's more stable or more reliable and and not go into my art. And that makes me a miserable person when I do that because at the end of the day, I'm an artist no matter what field it's in. And so I'm not happy unless I'm getting to uh, create and share that art in some sort of a capacity. So absolutely uh, just not giving up on your dreams and pushing through as cliche as it sounds. It's 100% where I'm at in my own life right now. And that is what I would tell young me. Nice. Now, second question. Yes. If using that, uh, using that same time machine, where, where would you see yourself in five years from now? Ooh, let's see five years from that. Oh, that's going to be, uh, I'm doing the math in my head to say, okay, that's going to be how old that's going to be. Um, in five years, see, it's interesting because I have, I have an inkling of what I would like for that to be, but I also am open to, like, I know that whatever it is, it's, if I just stay on the trajectory I'm on now, it's going to be something good. I would, my hope would be that I am with a partner that, uh, supports my goals and dreams and vice versa. Um, also that I can wake up every day and be sharing my art with people. I would love what I would really love within five years is to have that, have that food show or that lifestyle show, uh, being able to reach the masses as many people as possible. Um, and just getting up, getting to wake up and create and do what I want to do. And, um, sing because that's another thing I didn't even tell you I got this song that I'm working on with my dad and we have finished the track now so the next step of it is going to be releasing uh the music video for it filming and releasing the music video so uh music is definitely going to be a part of that five-year goal and seeing where that where that takes me well I definitely see in the next five years all all that's going to come true because like (laughs) you you believe it if you believe you can do it you can do it Yes. Simple, simple as that. That is that is true. I know that for sure. <laughs> All right, Amy. Well, thank you for coming onto my show. It's been it's been awesome talking with you, talking about passions. I've never actually talked to anybody about, about <laughs> to anybody but my sister. So it's finally good to mention passion. So like, oh, I know what that is. So yeah. Oh my goodness, <laughs> yes. And next time I see you at class, we can definitely walk down Passions Lane and talk about all of our. Uh, all of our favorite characters. Oh, yeah. And the fact that you killed one of mine. You killed Fox Crane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amy, uh, put yourself over. Where can people find you at online? All right. So you can find me on Instagram at It's Amy Castle. On YouTube, youtube.com forward slash It's Amy Castle. Um, if you want to check out my engraving, you can look at Created by Castle. Um, and my photography is captured by Castle. So any sort of version of Castle, you will find me. But the main deal is Instagram. It's it's Amy Castle. It's Amy Castle. Yeah, because I guess check her out on Instagram. Check out some of her engravings because, like, like she's mentioned, and her engravings are awesome. Like that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood poster on the engraving is very, very cool. Definitely check it out. Hmm, thank you so much. No problem. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you guys next week. And this is a wrap.
Thanks.